course, another episode of Delisted, the podcast. I'm Michael Kay. And I'm Allison. So the Golden Globe Awards happened this Sunday, which I'll be honest, was kind of a surprise to me because I feel like every awards show has been bumped and bumped and bumped over and over again. Like the Oscars are happening in April. Maybe. The Golden Globes are usually like December? January? No, no, no last they, year they like, were December, right? Were they just No, I thought it was January. Maybe it was December. Time is like a... Time is a... What are those? The loops? It's like a snake eating its tail at this point. Okay, the last year they were on January 5th. Okay, it's December, January. It's the same thing. It's all the holidays. All the same, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they happened on Sunday, which was... February 28th, Um, and they were pretty much the normal Golden Globe Awards, except not, which is to say they, you know, give it awards for television and movies, and there's tons of controversy before they happen, Uh, but then I guess it kind of ends there, because this was like a sort of virtual, everybody was at home awards, kind of. They had some presenters that showed up, so they were hosting... Okay, so it was Tina Fey was hosting from the Rainbow Room in New York City. Amy Poehler was hosting at the Beverly Hilton, um, which is where the Golden Globes happen every single year. So they were hosting again together, except apart, uh, which was kind of a bit of a mess. Because there's obviously, you're dealing with technology and technology rarely works. Unless yeah, especially live. Especially well, yeah. when it's live. Shit goes south and it did. Yeah, live technology, you can't edit it. You just have to go with it and just shrug your shoulders and be like, well, I guess that happened. So, of course, there's like kind of a delay because you're, you know, broadcasting live from two different coasts. You're also broadcasting people from their homes. So, I mean, listen, my heart's quote to all the tech people that had to deal with this awards show because it looked like a huge headache. So, for me, I feel like the Golden Globes was mostly kind of summed up when um, Daniel Kaluuya won uh, an award. And so it looked kind of like the Golden Globes just didn't have like his mic on. Reports are that he had forgotten to unmute himself, which sounds like every Zoom call that anyone has been on since last March. So that was a huge mess, obviously. Um, People were sounding delayed because there was people from all over the place, right? Like people were winning awards in London and New York and Los Angeles. And I mean, more places than that. Those, those are just kind of the main ones because obviously a lot of people were, you know, zooming in from Hollywood, but there was a bunch of British uh, shows and actors and stuff that won awards. So also somebody did the math online and they said that if somebody was zooming in from, the UK, it was like four o'clock in the morning for them. Yeah, they were talking about that. I watched the E! News red carpet, which was, yes. again, another wreck. And all Juliana Rancic really did is like, where are you? Oh, my God, it's like three in the morning there. So, yeah, they were like sitting there in their gowns, like three in the morning, sitting in front of their webcam in a hotel room. Which, I mean, that to me sounds like that's a nightmare. Yeah, when all they probably want to do is go to sleep. It feels like you lost a dare. Like, if you lose, you have to attend this virtual award ceremony in a dress at four o'clock in the morning. But, I mean, people did it. 
So, and lots of people won. We'll get to our predictions kind of towards the end of this, because if you listen to last week, you know that Michael and I made some predictions and it'll be revealed whether or not we are, we continue to be the Sylvia Brown of podcasting. Right. Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) Well, yeah, because she doesn't get much right. So, or didn't get much right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So um, some notable winners were that um, much like you and I had predicted, but I mean, I think everybody on the internet predicted that Chadwick Boseman was going to win um, best acting for a drama, which he did. Um, his wife accepted the award on his behalf, which was very, very sad and moving. Yeah. Um, it's always super sad to me when somebody wins an award after they die, because it feels like that sucks. They didn't get to enjoy that. Yeah. Like, obviously, they didn't get to enjoy it. I'm stating the obvious here. But yeah. it, point is, it's, yeah, it was sad. I mean, obviously, it was well-deserved because everybody predicted that he was going to win. So, you know, that's nice. Um, Minari, which was like the movie that um, kind of, I would say, sort of kicked off a lot of the um, uh, Golden Globes sort of, uh, what word am I looking for here? Backlash? Well, there's backlash backlash. every year. Yeah, I guess backlash is it. So in before they even announced the nominations, they were um, talking about how Minari, which is like an American film directed by an American, starring American actors and stuff, with, you know, it's about a Korean family, so they're going to speak Korean. The Hollywood Foreign Press was like, well, we can't nominate this for Best Picture, but we can nominate for Best Foreign Language Film, which everybody was like, that's very dumb uh anyway it ended up winning best foreign language film and which has a lot of people saying like okay well what is a foreign language film because this is an american film and america doesn't have an official language am i correct uh stupidity the language that unofficial that's that's the, that's the unofficial language i think that's the official well i think because they mostly speak korean so they were trying to say well it's best foreign language film not right. foreign country film. So that's what they try to pull. Like that since they speak Korean throughout the movie, that it's a foreign language film. But, yeah. yeah. But I, I don't think a lot of people buy it. No. Um, but also the HFPA, Hollywood Foreign Press Association, had to address several things during the show. So they didn't address like the, you know, issues with Minari. But they did sort of address the fact that like, okay, so Tina Fey and Amy Poehler mentioned in their monologue that you know, the HFPA uh, snubbed a bunch of stuff that you thought should get nominated, like Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You, which got completely snubbed. And, you know, they made a joke about, like, the HFPA nominates a bunch of, like, dumb, sh- dumb shiny shit, like... Flashy garbage, I think is what Flashy garbage, yeah, flashy garbage. Oh, you know, this is probably something we should have told you guys earlier. Everybody is understandably upset at the HFPA and their choices. Look, a lot of flashy garbage got nominated, but that happens, okay? That's like their thing. But a number of black actors and black-led projects were overlooked. And look, we all know that award shows are stupid. Yeah. They're all a scam invented by Big Red Carpet to sell more carpet. We know that. The point is, even with stupid things, inclusivity is important, and there are no black members of the Hollywood Foreign Press. I realize HFPA, maybe you guys didn't get the memo because your workplace is the back booth of a French McDonald's, but you got to change that. 
So here's to changing it. And then three members of the HFPA came out during the show and said, like, we're going to try harder and we know that we have work to do. And, you know, next year it'll be a different show, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like they say something like that every year. I think, yeah, every awards show they trot someone out from the organization and they say something along those lines. Yeah, about how they're like, we're "We're going to work harder. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, we've been listening and we've been doing a lot of thinking and here's, you know, no real concrete steps how they're going to accomplish, you know, any goals that they didn't mention. But anyway, so that was a moment that happened. Um, But like, I feel like last year there was kind of a huge thing about how no uh, women directors were nominated. And this year, three women directors were nominated, one of which being Chloe Zhao, who won. She And she's the second woman director to ever win. Show's been going on for 78 years, so that's a little bit... I don't like those odds, is what I'm saying. So she won for Nomadland, and then Nomadland won for um, Best Best Picture Drama. Um, Best Picture Comedy was Borat 2, or Borat Subsequent Movie Film. And, um, yeah, what else? Jane Fonda won the Cecil B. DeMille Award, and she also kind of addressed sort of... The you know shit that was going on with the, the yeah she used her them. whole like she used yeah. her whole speech she barely talked about herself all yeah. she did was talk about that how Hollywood needs to be more inclusive and mm-hmm. how she called out the HFPA without calling them out specifically yeah. she was just kind of like Hollywood needs to be more inclusive and stuff like that but I yeah. mean you could and you could she looked gorgeous like my mom spent ten minutes talking about. How stunning Jane Fonda looked. Well, your mom is right. She dedicated an appropriate 10 minutes to, like, I liked, okay, Jane Fonda looked like she had, like, color palette chips from the paint store in a variety of beautiful off-whites and silvers and was, like, gave it to her stylist and was like, do this to me, head to toe. I just want to look, like, beautiful, like, cream and silver. Oh, no, she, Jane Fonda, she doesn't. She doesn't, I don't think she deals with stylists. She goes into, she says she doesn't buy clothes anymore because it's wasteful and mm-hmm. she only wears it once. So she got that from her closet. So she just goes in, boom, and she's gorgeous. She probably didn't put any makeup on, didn't even do her hair. She just put on the suit, walked down. She just looks like that. I mean, her hair looked really good. All of her looked really good. I can't like say one specific part of her looked good. She looked really good. She wore a suit too, which I, I appreciate her wearing pants to an awards show that like you don't have to wear a big dress it's the 2021 golden globes well honestly a lot of people she accepted the award at the beverly hilton so she had to wear pants but she shouldn't have because probably half of the nominees sitting at home were not wearing pants so she should have just went on in her chonies and the blazer for sure good yeah yeah or she could have been rolled out on a couch completely pantsless with like somebody holding like a privacy screen in front of her and we'd be like you know what acceptable completely acceptable obviously that was like a high point jane fonda coming out but it wasn't really enough to keep people that interested in the show apparently so i watched all three hours of this you watched three hours plus red carpet yeah i have to so yeah i don't i watch like two hours of red carpet and then the show two hours yeah, I, I think I started at... No, maybe it was... 
what's it? yeah it was two hours. you're like you're like one in the afternoon you're like cracking your knuckles you're like well time to get into this <laughs> yeah i watched lunch, it while, i watched it while eating breakfast pretty much <laughs> like it was an all-day thing no it was like um like black friday like 11 o'clock the night before on saturday you're like well i gotta get re- gotta get ready for the golden globes they start doing red carpet in about 20 minutes so i don't get the channel so i didn't get to look at red carpet i had to like follow on twitter but anyways, the point here is um, nobody really watched the Golden Globes on Sunday. So they say that the ratings dropped by more than 60% from last year. So they got about 6.9 million viewers. That's kind of like the Golden Globes hasn't like released their official numbers, but that's what people are saying, like all the trades and stuff are saying like, okay, it was about 6, 6.9 million viewers. To put that into perspective, The Equalizer which is a show starring uh, Queen Latifah. It's a brand new show. Barely has an audience yet. They got 8.2 million viewers this week. And... They might have made the, the the correct decision. Yeah. People, to watch Equalizer instead of um, the Golden Globes. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, Mr. Big is on the Equalizer from Sex and the City. Seems like a decent, uh, seems like a decent show. But anyways, um, they say that the... Um, uh, it's obviously not the like lowest that the Golden Globes have ever seen. Like, there's been way lower rated shows than that, but they happened like 25 years ago, um, and it's been the lowest one in 13 years because the last lowest one, uh, lowest rated show was 2008, which was the Writers Guild strike. So they didn't even have a show; they just had like a press conference where they're like, "Here's who the winners are." So of course you you're not going to get any lower than that. They like nobody's going to get any lower than the year that they had to do just a press conference. But imagine if they, imagine if these numbers were lower than that. So the press conference here, I think got like 6.03 million viewers. I feel like NBC was like this morning, just like crossing their fingers so hard being like, Oh, please more than 6.03 million million viewers. Anything more than that. We can't get lower than the press conference year. Well, the Oscars are a month away, so give or a couple months away or whatever. So give them time. Yeah, never the, say the, never. Yeah, yeah, they'll get bottom of the barrel ratings. <laughs> the Gold Globes will be like, yeah, we did great numbers this year, <laughs> comparing them against it. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, so, Michael, because you watched the whole show, and I watched the whole show, can you tell me a moment that you, because I don't want us to just be haters here. Not that we are, we're serious journalists, but can you name a moment that you genuinely liked from the show, from all three hours plus two hours of red carpet? The end credits? Michael, I said we're not being haters. Oh, oh. well, that was to say something nice. <laughs> it was. Well, I mean, the show was just boring and I like, I missed all the drunk people. Um, If I had to say, I liked Jane Fonda. Yeah. I liked Tina and Amy's opening. Mm-hmm. I liked um, the ones who wore their casual clothes like Jason Sudeikis wore a hoodie mm-hmm. Jeff Daniels he was in my mom's guest bedroom aka computer room and he was wearing like a shirt that you wear to a barbecue so those I liked those mm-hmm. okay what about you those are good okay my favorite part about the show was seeing people's pets so like the odd time somebody would bring like their dog or their cat into a frame or like Regina King's dog cornbread was just like sitting in the back on his dog bed. Um, 
And I appreciated that. I like seeing Jodie Foster in her pajamas, but I really like seeing her dog asleep beside her on the couch. It needed more dogs. Everyone should have just had a dog. Oh, imagine if like they could opt out of a thing where they were like, "Um, I will be attending, but I personally won't be attending. I'll just be like setting the camera up on my dog. We'd be fine with that. Okay. And was there a moment from the show that you really didn't enjoy? How much time do we have? Well, we already (laughs) spent 20 minutes talking about all the shit we hated. So yeah, Yeah. everything that we just talked about. (laughs) Fair enough. I have to say, um, I didn't enjoy, and I'm going to make some enemies by saying this, I really didn't enjoy when Barb and Star go to come from Delmar or whatever the name of that movie is. Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo came out to present the Best Picture Comedy Musical Award, and they were like doing those characters, Barb and Star... I didn't Delmar. hate that. I didn't hate that no, I didn't because hate it. it was like something different that I was like, yeah, okay, at least they're trying. So I'll give them that. I didn't hate it. I'm just saying I didn't like it because it felt like an inside joke that I wasn't a part of because I haven't seen that movie yet. And shameless promo. Oh, the whole the whole show is though they're like star of NBC's whatever this actress. <laughs> it's a big commercial, but anyways. To go over our predictions, here's here's where Michael and I definitely shouldn't be, you know, leaving our day jobs and running off to Las Vegas to become like um, sports betters or anything like that. So we both guessed that the Best Picture Drama winner was going to be Nomadland. And we won. We got that. Both of us got it right. Um, we both guessed that Chadwick Boseman was going to get Best Actor Drama. Uh, we both guessed that The Crown was going to get Best Television Series Drama. You guessed that Schitt's Creek was going to be Best Television Show. We thought that, you know, the person who played Princess Diane on The Crown was going to win. She did win. You guessed that Catherine O'Hara was going to win an award. She won. I guessed that Jason Sudeikis was going to win. And boy, did he ever win. Um, the ones that we got kind of very wrong were... Um, you guessed that Hamilton was going to win Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. I guessed Music, and the winner ended up being Borat. But really, we're all winners because Music didn't win. Um, Best Actress Drama, we both got that one wrong. The winner was, of course, Andrew Day, and you guessed Frances McDormand, and I said Carrie Mulligan. We were wrong about that. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen took Best Actor Comedy. You thought it was going to be Lin-Manuel Miranda. I stupidly wait through my way my vote on guessing James Corden so don't ever trust me with anything and we both thought that Maria Bakalova from Borat 2 was going to win best comedy actress and she didn't Rosamund Pike won uh for I care a lot so yeah we and also I guess that Kaylee Cuoco was going to win for best actress TV comedy. I was very wrong about that. I thought I had that one in the bag. So I ended up getting six out of 12. That's 50%. I like those odds. That's you passed. I passed. But hey, I'll take it. That's how I got through high school. And you got seven out of 12, which is that's like 60% or something. That's like a D. Yeah, I passed. I'll take it. No, it, that's great. I did horribly, but we but both you... did horribly. But <laughs> no, I'll take you... it. Hor- Michael, horribly is getting either all of them completely correct or because it means we don't have a life um or getting zero of them right so i I think we did good middle of the road i'm proud of us yeah (laughs) okay so now let's talk about the saga that was and it's still kind of going on but the saga that is the dog napping of lady gaga's french bulldogs 
Um, so G- Gaga is in Italy filming the Gucci movie, and it's about the murder of Mauricio Gucci and by his ex-wife. She plays his ex-wife. Ridley Scott's directing. Adam Driver plays Maurizio Gucci. So she's doing that. And while she's doing that, her dogs are back in Los Angeles where they are being cared for by their dog walker and caretaker, Ryan Fisher, who has taken care of the dogs for a while. So he's a part of the family. So that takes us to last Wednesday night. So a little before 10, Ryan was taking Gaga's three French bulldogs named Koji, Gustav, and Miss Asia. Miss Asia. Yeah, my three favorite drag race contestants of all time yeah. Koji, Gustav, and Miss Asia so taking them for a walk in Hollywood so then a white Nissan Altima pulled up beside Ryan two people jumped out and demanded the dogs at gunpoint so Ryan put up a fight because he wouldn't let them take the dogs so one of them shot him in the chest and took Koji and Gustav Miss Asia managed to escape the dog nappers. Neighbors heard the robbery and called 911, and Ryan was taken to the hospital. So video from a surveillance camera from a nearby house was released to try to help find the shooters. Have you seen this video, Allison? No, no, I'm too nervous to watch it. It is hard. It's hard to watch. But people on TikTok were making fun of this video because his scream, Ryan's scream, is so high-pitched. So I'm like, first of all, (laughs) fuck you for that. For, for making fun. Second of all, it's like there's no right way to scream during a robbery. The way you scream during a robbery and after someone shoots you is the right way. Like there's yeah. no right way. Well, I'm and sure that I'm sure that when you have a gun held to your chest, your first thought isn't like, "Ooh, I better butch it up when I scream." Yeah, exactly. Like if it was me, there you wouldn't be able to hear the screams. Only dogs would be <laughs> able like, to hear the screams. Carey. It, no, it would be like Ross Matthews on helium. It would. <laughs> These dogs would be deaf. So thankfully, Ryan's injuries were not fatal, and he's expected to make a full physical recovery. Thank God. Uh, and so right after Koji and Gustav were dog snatched, um, oh, they were not microchipped, by the way. But right after they were dog snatched, Gaga posted an Instagram post where she thanked Ryan for risking his life for her dogs, called him a hero, and also offered a $500,000 reward for the safe return of her dogs. And she said at the time that the reward was no questions asked, Mm -hmm. which was controversial because some people blasted her for telling the criminals that they can collect $500,000 and not get charged for the crimes Mm -hmm. they committed, including trying to kill someone. And others thought that Gaga offering a no questions asked reward is going to lead to more thieves stealing dogs for money. So mm-hmm. okay, I can see that. Well, I figured that it was like a trick. She was oh. she was she was crossing her fingers and winking when she was typing that whole no questions asked thing. Like I figured it was a trick. Like she's gonna once they were like, okay, you know, we'll give you the dogs for the money. She would like put the money under a net, and then they would come and get the money, and the net would drop. Yeah, box with like a little string on it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I figured was like a trick. Also, can like she gave like a email address where you can send tips. Like, can you imagine the shit they got? Oh my god, that I would love to read those emails. I love to read them. Well, people were probably like putting, you know, dressing themselves like the dogs and like, here I am, come give me the award. Yeah, like, <laughs> re- Gaga, <laughs> like, I love you. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. 
Two nights after Koji and Gustav's dog napping, they were found a few miles from where they were stolen. So a woman found them tied in an alley and recognized the dogs and contacted Gaga's team, who verified that it was Koji and Gustav. So the police say that the woman is a good Samaritan. She was not at all involved in the dog napping. And Gaga is grateful and will give the woman the $500,000 reward. Oh, well, that's, I mean... That's nice of her to do that. I feel like, okay, I'm first of all, I'm really glad that her dog walker is going to survive. But Michael, I have to ask you this. What, like, what would they have done if she didn't pay them? Like, what was their plan? Probably to sell them. So the investigation is still open because they're looking for the shooters. Right. So they, people think there's, there could, one of two things is going on. Either okay. um, the criminal's, knew that those dogs were Gaga's. And so they're trying to get some money out of her. Mm-hmm. Because also, like, uh, Ryan Fisher told people in the neighborhood that those were Gaga's dogs. So word may have gotten back to the wrong people, and then right. they came up with this scheme. Mm-hmm. But also, Frenchies are very popular. Yeah. And they're a hot commodity. And Frenchie thefts are on the rise in Los Angeles. And just before the attack, TMZ says that Ryan was in a grocery store with the dogs. And so someone may have seen him there and followed him and then took the dogs. Right. Not knowing that they were Lady Gaga's dogs. Yeah. So there were just some Frenchies that they were going to sell. Right. Ooh, that's diabolical. I don't like that. Um, See, here's what I think. I think that they knew that they were Lady Gaga's dogs because it's very easy to like, it's very easy to know if you're dealing with a celebrity dog or not, because all you have to do is just follow them on Instagram and like, you're like, oh, I recognize that dog. Right. And then yeah. like, I think that they probably thought, okay, if we kidnap these dogs, we'll keep them safe, but then Lady Gaga will pay to get them back. But like, like, but like, and obviously that's what Lady Gaga did was she was like, okay, I'm going to give money, like no questions asked. But if she hadn't, um, if she hadn't, offered the money and if she wasn't going to pay up for them i just would like to know like what was going to happen to those dogs because you can try to sell a dog but do you think that those thieves would try to sell it like they wouldn't just be frenchies they'd be like this dog used to be owned by lady gaga like you know when you like go into a pawn shop and you're like this isn't just a necklace this necklace was owned by elizabeth taylor well, yeah, since it was stolen goods, if they wanted to end up in jail, yeah, they could say that. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess I'm, leaning, them. I'm leaning more towards that it was random. Right. Because they seemed to like when they f- were getting all this attention, when the dogs were getting all this attention, they kind of dumped them in an alley. And they didn't try to, like, get the money from from what I've read. They didn't, like, it doesn't, I don't know if, like, they reached out to Gaga's team and tried to get the money. Because if they're, if they kidnapped Gaga's dogs to get the money, she offered them money. Yeah. And, and they, they kind of just dumped the dog. So I tend to think it was more random. But like now we have so much to worry about. Now we got to worry about getting shot while walking our dogs. And that's what, like my dog is heaven in, in heaven now. But I don't know what I would do if I was walking him and someone pulled a gun on me and was like, give me to him. I don't, I like, I would scream first of all. And then I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, he's... You know, he barks a lot. He goes to the bathroom, you know, on the carpet all the time. He's very picky eater. He's very high maintenance. You know, you have a very busy schedule of 
criminal activity. You, you know, you don't need this. So I'm doing you a favor. Your poor dog would be looking at you being like, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to end this part of the show with another kidnapping story. But unlike that last one, this one was not a real kidnapping. Um, this is from the New York Times, and it's a story about the shit you have to go through to get out of going to work. Because if you've had a job in America or somewhere else, then you might know that some employers do not like it when you call out sick, right? No, no. They're like asking for like doctor's notes and nurse's notes and they want to see the rectal thermometer and shit. Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah, or like when I worked retail, some of these places and I would call in sick and I would be legitimately sick mm -hmm. and they would tell me I had to uh call like my coworkers to ask to cover for me and i'm like i'm fucking sick i do not oh. want to be talking to jan or james or whatever yeah you don't want to be going down the phone chain have you ever no. when you were working though did they ever tell you to come in even though you were sick yes many times yes, they done I've that to you yeah yeah i've had that too and i'm like you know i'm gonna get everyone else sick right and they're like i'm sure it's not that bad just cover your mouth i'm like okay yeah we'll put you in the back we'll we'll you can empty boxes yeah. Um, so 19-year-old Brandon Souls came up with an elaborate scheme to get out of going to work at the tire factory in Coolidge, Arizona. So on February 10th, Brandon was found on the side of the road with a bandana in his mouth. His hands were tied with his own belt. He was also roughed up and had dirt all over him. So someone saw Brandon on the side of the road and called police. The caller told 911 that Brandon was going in and out of consciousness. So Brandon told the police that two masks, masked men uh, hit him in the head outside of his home and then put him in a car. They drove him around a bit before dumping him where he was found. So Brandon told police that he believes he was kidnapped because his dad's got a lot of money hidden throughout the desert. Mm -hmm. I mean, if this isn't the start of a Cohen movie... Yeah, this this also kind of sounds like a an un unmade Breaking Bad episode. Yeah, a B side Breaking Bad episode. Yeah. So Brandon also claimed he had text messages as evidence of his kidnapping, but those text messages weren't as Brandon described, and police looked at surveillance footage from the area of the supposed kidnapping and found nothing. Um, Brandon was treated at a hospital, and they found no signs that he was hit in the head. So the police then brought Brandon back into the station, and when they showed him all the information they had that led to him making it all up, he admitted it, and he admitted to faking the kidnapping because he didn't want to go to work at the tire factory. Also, there's no hidden money in the desert, so don't go looking for it. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon was charged with faking his own kidnapping, and the police said he wasted a lot of resources. Um, he pleaded guilty to false reporting, and he has to pay a $500 fine. And believe it or not, but he lost his job at the tire factory. How is he going to pay that $500 fine? He doesn't even have a job. Plan. Well, I mean, did he not learn anything from Je uh, Jesse Smollett? Oh yeah, you don't don't yeah, you don't fake you don't fake trying to get out of work. Also, okay, look, I can understand not wanting to go to work. We've all had jobs where we're like, please do not make me go into work today. Or like, you know, like the types of jobs where you stand outside before your shift and you're just like, 
letting out like long sighs and being like, you have to psych yourself up. Like, okay, you can do this. It's only eight hours. Go in there. But like, there's a very easy way to get out of jobs like that. You don't really, you can lie, but it's like a believable lie is all you have to do is call your supervisor and you just say, listen, I'm calling you from a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. I shit my pants on the way to work. I had to throw up my underwear at the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. I cannot come into work. I have severe diarrhea. They're not going to ask any questions. They're going to be like, okay, go home and just call us when you can come back into work. They're not going to make you call your coworkers. I no, I've had jobs where they would say, okay, come on in. We'll just hold our noses. <laughs> I've had jobs where they would 100% make me come in. But I think, see, oh, no. the thing is, like, I think... I couldn't find anywhere if he was trying to get out several days of work because would you rather go to work and suffer through it or stage your own kidnapping, lie on the side of the road until someone finds you, then go to the hospital to be checked out, spend all day at the hospital, and then have to go to the police station and talk to them forever? Like, what would you rather do? Depend. I mean, I've had some jobs where I'd rather lie on the side of the road and wait to mm-hmm. be found. But that's when, like, he must have been trying to get out of work for a few days. Yeah, that's like, you know what that is? That's a fake you're kidnapping on a Wednesday. Don't come back until Monday. Yeah, exactly. And I am surprised he got fired because his scheme shows dedication, you know, ingenuity. And these are all, those are both um, qualities that employers look for in an employee. And he has those. So he should get a raise, really. But have you ever thought of staging your own kidnapping to get out of work, Allison? <laughs> I've probably, I probably prayed that somebody would kidnap me before I went to work. No, I've never staged my own kidnapping. I also have not faked diarrhea either. No, What's yeah, what yeah. have you have you ever faked your own kidnapping, Michael? No. Well, if I did, I, if I called and kidnapped, my boss would be like, "Please, like anyone would kidnap you. Come, your shift is at eleven. You better be here on time." We are now going to quickly go over five stories, starting with Hilaria Baldwin. So not long ago, we covered the Escandalo, where Hilaria Baldwin, a.k.a. Alec Baldwin's wife, was called out for faking a Spanish accent and faking that she's a Spanish woman. Well, Hilaria and Alec are back in the news, and this time it's because they somehow found another baby to add to their child army, Hilarion Alec announced that they welcomed their sixth child together. This surprise baby is Alec's seventh child total because he shares an adult daughter with Kim Basinger. Hilarion Alec's other five children are ages seven, five, four, two, and six months old because Hilaria gave birth to their fifth child in September. So this newest child was either hiding in her womb the entire time or they adopted the baby or used a surrogate. So Hilaria has said before that she really wants another daughter. So it's no surprise that this sixth child is a girl. And since Hilaria, you know, is obsessed with all things Spanish, they named her Lucia. Hilaria and Alec have not said how they acquired this newest baby. And when commenters on Instagram asked how this sixth baby came to be, Alec told them to fuck off. And by the way, Hilaria is 37 and Alec is 62. Oh my gosh. I mean, this baby was a huge surprise because like you mentioned, 
They just had a baby in September, but I'll say nobody was more surprised than that last baby, the baby who is six months old and probably saw the new baby come in the house like, what? Like they did a baby double take like, wait a second, I thought I was just born. Who's that? That's what goes through the mind of a six month old, I'm sure. Yeah, it does. Um, For me, there's only two ways this is going to go, right? So since Alec, as we know, has a temper, to put it mildly, and now he's living with six children under the age of seven in one house. So he's either going to pull a Brandon Souls and fake his own kidnapping and murder, like a, like a uh, sleep with the enemy type thing. He's going to sl- fake his murder to get out of there. Or Hilaria is going to become a multimillionaire single mother of six after Alex steps on his fourth Lego of the day and like ricochets with rage into the universe and is never heard from again. So the, the, that that's how this is going to end. One or the other. My money's on the second one. Option two. Probably. So John Bon Jovi was on the second season of Sex in the City back in the day. He played one of Carrie Bradshaw's love interest. So he was on Andy Cohen's Sirius XM show. And since the Sex in the City revival is happening, Andy asked uh, John Bon Jovi about his time on Sex in the City. And he said he never watched the show before it was on. He never even heard of it. And I complete I completely forgot he was on that show. Oh, same. <laughs> and I same almost person. forgot his like acting era, which is crazy because Moonlight and Valentino, a masterpiece. Yeah. So John Bon Jovi says that he didn't know anything about the show, right? And when Kim Cattrall heard this news, she was like, lucky. I wish I knew nothing about being on that show, too. Yeah, she probably goes under hypnotism to forget that moment in time. Mm-hmm. So we're at a time when Gen Z is discovering all of the messy things that pop culture gave us, you know, in the 90s and the early aughts, and they're horrified. So, and they have discovered Eminem. And now they want to cancel Eminem. So specifically, one TikToker brought up lyrics from Eminem's song, Love the Way You Lie, which he did with Rihanna. So one of the lyrics is, if she ever tries to fucking leave again, I'm going to tie her to the bed and set this house on fire. So some Gen Zers have now called for Eminem's cancellation because of that line. I mean, like, wait until they hear his other songs. because I know. When you yeah, they make the- that lyric sound like a Mary Poppins song. It's like, okay, guys, uh, he's going to talk about his ex-wife and his mom, and that's really going to upset you. Yeah, buckle up. <laughs> yeah. Also, I love how Gen Z is trying to cancel Eminem because this might be the only time that Gen Z and, like, all the other generations can come together and relate to something because, like, millennials are like, we also tried to cancel Eminem, and boomers are like, we too tried to cancel Eminem. And I'm sure that the greatest generation would Try have tried to cancel Eminem too, but they're like, I sure do like those chocolate candies. <laughs> so UPI reports that a man named Ernesto Sorzano bought a Powerball lottery ticket from a 7-Eleven in North Carolina. So the numbers he used for that Powerball tickets were numbers he got from a fortune cookie that came with his Chinese takeout. So he's used those numbers and the ticket ended up being a winner and he won $500,000. That's crazy. The only thing that I've ever gotten from a fortune cookie is indigestion. And that's from eating too many because I always ask for about 20 to be put in the bag. Okay, so I just need to know if Ernesto ate his fortune cookie or not. 
because what drives me really crazy, and I come across a lot of these people, mm-hmm. is that a lot of people will take their fortune cookie, they'll crack it open, they'll look at their fortune, and then they'll push the cookie aside and they don't ever eat it. That's awful. I see. If he did that, he doesn't deserve the money. Like, no. And finally, so since this podcast brings you the biggest and most breaking news of the week, if not the year, if not the century, um, we're going to cover a tweet from Cardi B that honestly, Allison, this we should have this should have been what the whole episode was about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But recently, Cardi B asked her millions of followers a very important question. So she tweeted. So last night, my chef made crab legs, but I fell asleep. Can I microwave the crab legs today? Or you can't microwave crab legs. So to answer her, Google tells me that the best way to reheat crab legs is to steam them. But you can microwave them. I mean, you can microwave anything but tinfoil. That doesn't mean you should, but you can. I mean, yeah, you can put anything in a microwave, really. Um, Meanwhile, while Cardi B was asking this question on Twitter, Offset was also inquiring about crabs to straighten. (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm going to have a hard time doing this joke without laughing. It's not even a good joke. Okay, let me try that again. (laughs) Offset was also inquiring about crabs to strangers, except his was on a call to the local clinic asking, how do I get rid of these things? Can I microwave them? No, you go to um, Rite Aid and there's, you know, what is it, Red? Yeah. Yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pick off where you left, left off, pick up where you left off and like, I can just imagine the smell of microwaving crab legs, Ugh, first yeah, of all. Gross. But Offset probably loved it because for once something smelled fishy in that house and it wasn't him. And that's not even a joke about his side pieces coochie smelling like fish. No, I've evolved. Not- I've evolved. This was about him being fishy, his behavior. Before we go, we're going to answer a couple of questions from our mailbag. So the first question comes from Abigail, and she asks, who is your most favorite celebrity to write about, and who is your least favorite? Allison? Okay, so I took this as being, like, not necessarily as, like, who is your, like, favorite celebrity to, like, you know, get gossipy about, but more just, like, who brings you a lot of joy to write about. So for me... That's I love writing about Jennifer Aniston because I absolutely love the narrative that has been like following her and Brad Pitt around for like decades. I love Mm -hmm. it. It's so it's so dumb. I love it. I love writing about Jennifer Aniston. I love writing about Rihanna just because she's so fascinating and interesting. And I this will probably come as no surprise to anyone who has read the website. I absolutely love writing about Tori Spelling's husband Dean McDermott. Yeah, the Deaner, yeah. I fucking love that guy. I absolutely love it. Like, I'm not coming from a mean place. That guy is like... <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> I've read what you've wrote, written about him, okay? <laughs> yeah, okay, listen. So, <laughs> no, like, I, I like writing about him because he's like every guy I went to high school with. He's every... You know, he's like my family, my neighbors. I love him. I think he's super fascinating. I think that he's like a great character of a person. I love writing about Dean McDermott. I'm obsessed with him. I love him. Somebody bought me a cameo one year for my birthday from Dean McDermott. He, it was, what did he say? He was 
he's the best. He's just like, happy birthday, Allison. I heard it's your birthday. I hope you have a good one. Have a great time. Like, what do you look like? Can you send me your picture? <laughs> Preferably. He's like, he's like, hey, pretty lady, you sound sexy. Wait, cameo doesn't work that way. No, anyway, so I love, I love that, and I would say probably my least favorite person to write about is um, Kendall Jenner, and it's just because I find it. Well, it's re- like writing about paint drying on a wall. That's exactly it. There's like, there's certain things about like Chloe and Kim that are like, okay, well, that's fun. That's like an interesting sort of quirk or like that's a weird thing, whatever. But yeah, I mean, there's just, there's not a lot there. So it's kind of, it's sort of hard. Unless it's that Pepsi commercial. That Pepsi commercial is easy to write about. But yeah, sometimes she'll give us, she'll, she'll give us bone. something. An yeah, interesting thanks. bone. Yeah. Yeah. So Michael, who are your favorite celebrities to write about and who are your least? My favorite hands down has been Phoebe Price and Shauna Sand. I don't really write about them anymore because I got really repetitive. I know me acting like I'm no longer repetitive. But um, <laughs> like I first read about Phoebe at Go Fug Yourself and it was love at first sight. I I like just enjoyed writing about her because I didn't know anything about her. So I created like a character. Yeah. And same with Shauna. And they were always very cool with it. They were always very good sports. And... You know, it was for me only coming from a place of love. So I like, I truly enjoyed writing about them. I could like, at times I wrote about them every single day and the comments would be like, I'm fucking sick of this. I'm sick of you writing about fucking chicken cutlets. You're like, tell it to someone else because I love her. And I was like, I don't care. I'm going to write 10 more posts about her because I love her. So yeah, Phoebe Price and Shauna San. Worst, uh, you know, pieces of trash like Harvey Weinstein. No, not fun. Yeah, that's, yeah, for sure. That's, that's another, yeah, that's another one where it's just like, you fucking hate writing about them because they're just garbage. Yeah. So (laughs) the next question comes from Brian. And because we talk about food so much, he asks, what is the grossest thing you've eaten? Allison. Man, Brian, how much time do you have? Um, Okay, so I narrowed mine down into three things. I know Brian asked for the grossest. I'll give you the three grossest. So, um... I have like a, I have an issue with um, food textures. So stuff that's a little too soft. Uh, I don't have a good time when it's in my mouth. So the grossest thing I've ever eaten. <laughs> there goes your social life. <laughs> I said soft. I don't like soft stuff. Well, you it got, you know, you got to put it in soft to for it to get hard. No, I'm the ringer. They tap oh, me okay. in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't you know got, what You got to fluff her. <laughs> yeah. So, point is, uh, an overripe banana, that was one of the grossest things I've ever eaten. Um, One time I had a bologna sandwich that had been in a hot backpack for about three hours, um, and it made me barf. But this is the grossest, is um, one time when I was a kid, I went over to my friend's house for dinner to eat, and her mom was usually, like, a really good cook. Like, she was the mom that made, like, macaroni and cheese with bacon, and, like, you could have like lucky charms for breakfast like her house always was like a, one of those good food houses but one night we had tacos and normally i was like super excited about tacos but this is what they were they were hard taco shells that were like mm-hmm. not warm they were just fresh out of the package okay. uh ground beef no seasoning and the only topping was chopped up green peppers and 
as a kid just eating plain unseasoned ground beef stuffed into a yeah, that's stale nasty. taco shell with green that was the, that was the grossest thing i'd ever eaten and i had to choke it down because i was like at a friend's house and you know like i had the type of parents that were like don't be rude eat eat the dinner they serve you so yeah that was the grossest you should have just fed it to the dog <laughs> if, or if there wasn't a jo- dog just drop it on the floor or you know you should have you should have went to the bathroom and then staged your kidnapping I'm like shouting from the door. Help, help. Yeah. I'm yeah, being like kidnapped, you were kidnapped in here. from the bathroom. <laughs> Sorry, I can't eat the rest of my dinner. I got to go. I'm being kidnapped. For me, I'm obviously going to say dick cheese, but I'm guessing we're talking about food here. So, I mean, what comes to mind for me is I was probably like, it's something that I made. And I was probably like 19 years old. So the book, like Water for Chocolate... <laughs> had been out for a while and I read it and I loved it and I decided that for Valentine's Day I was gonna make my boyfriend at the time a recipe from the book okay (laughs) and the recipe was quail in rose petal sauce like I thought this was super romantic and I don't even think like I looked at a recipe I just read the book (laughs) for the instructions and first of all I didn't have most of the ingredients I did oh, not Oh, you have. didn't have you didn't have quail and you didn't have rose petal sauce? Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow was not my mom, so those oh, yeah. things were not kept in the refrigerator. So I used chicken. Okay. And I couldn't find like rose petals <laughs> in the grocery store, so I just got rose petals from the yard, obviously, and I cleaned them. But this was so inedible and he like takes one bite and the chicken is not cooked all the way so then i take the chicken and i put in the microwave with this rose petal sauce and i mean it was disgusting it was really inedible and i got dumped not long after and that's probably why and i deserved it he should have done me that night it was horrible He should have not dumped you. He should have been like, is everything okay with you? Because you you just served me raw chicken sitting on a bed of roses that came from the garden. They were like outside. smashed roses. They were like blended rose petals. I mean, <laughs> it was horrible. Rose smoothie. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, I probably would still rather eat that than um, unseasoned hamburger meat, though. To be fair, yeah, I, I yeah. would as well. So that ends this show. If you've got a question for our mailbag, email us at dtp at delisted.com. dtp at delisted.com. So till next week. Bon appetit, Michael. Bye.